Hi, everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. Todd? Yes, sir. I would like to talk about guilt today. Okay. Not my own, primarily. Feel, oh, not yours? You're not feeling guilty? Especially guilty? I mean, this might turn into a confessional, but... Um, no, not an issue. Not right. Let's right, talk about right it more now. generally. Okay. <laughs> um, what is it about guilt that you would like to talk about? Well, I feel like it comes up a lot in our work as therapists. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also something that we've just, we've kind of mentioned and hit at uh, at various points in the podcast. So I thought it would be good to um, kind of flesh out our thoughts on guilt. It's a pretty more. powerful emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think fairly misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I thought we could kind of dig into that a little sure. bit. Sure. What what do you feel like is so misunderstood about guilt? Um, you know, I think the the first thing is probably that or you know, misunderstood is maybe not exactly the right term, but I, I think we have a pretty narrow idea of guilt and what it means. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I think the one that a lot of people struggle with is w- what I would call the um sort of like retributive or like punishment model of guilt. Okay. Which is, I, I think we we sort of inherit this culturally from various religious traditions where guilt is associated with um, how you should feel when you do something wrong. And there, I think the whether this is theologically true for various religious traditions or not, I, I think that's sort of beside the point. I think what people experience is that there's this mindset of when I do something wrong, guilt is like my punishment. It's what I need to do in order to sort of make up for something wrong that I've done. Feel feel guilty. Mm-hmm. Like that's part of the, the kind of the punishment. Um, okay. So I think that's kind of seeped into to culture generally. But but guilt for a lot of people is a very backwards looking emotion. It's sort of about what you've done wrong in the past. And I, I don't think that's necessarily untrue. Um, I, I think... Or, or or what you're doing wrong in the present? Yeah, maybe. Okay. Um, I, I think guilt obviously is about when you've done something that you consider to be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, that's mm-hmm. the emotion we feel. Um, but I think as psychologists, we tend to think about guilt much differently, which is we tend to take a more functional approach to it, which is like a lot of emotions, it's got a, it's got a purpose. Mm-hmm. And the way I tend to think about it is, Yes, guilt kind of remind tells you about something in the past that you've maybe done wrong, but more importantly, it's there so that you don't mistake make that same mistake in the future. Mm-hmm. I think it ought to be a much more forward-looking emotion, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. um, and and that it should we should think of it a little bit less morally and a little more mechanically. Like this is a mechanism in our brain to kind of help us avoid mistakes in the future that are costly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so it, maybe it should be a little bit less about beating ourselves up um, and a little bit more about making better decisions in the future. Sure. And, and you're right. It does come up in a lot of conversations where clients maybe ruminate or there's a lot of mm-hmm. kind of that, like you, you mentioned it as kind of backward looking or backward facing um, thought. Um and, and current as well. And I, and I like what you're saying about, hey, guilt is really a, a great functional use of guilt would be to um, adapt your behavior, future behavior, basically mm-hmm. around, hey, when I did that, it didn't feel good 
don't do that again in the future. Right. Um, the other, the other aspect of guilt, um, that, that I, that I like is that, um, oftentimes guilt motivates you to make a repair. Mm. So, mm-hmm. so sometimes when people feel guilty, they want, and, and, and that's like a social function of guilt, right? Where mm. as a social creature, you want to, um, preserve relationships. And if you've offended someone and done something wrong, that guilt oftentimes motivates you to offer an apology, make some yeah. kind of gesture of um, good faith or something to say, I'm sorry. Um, and so there's a really strong social function to guilt. Sometimes it's really adaptive. Right. That really, that really is kind of useful, I think. Yeah. But we're only able to, if, if guilt does kind of, um, is a kind of uh, fuel source for getting us to do, mm-hmm. you know, pro-social helpful things in right. the future, that's only going to happen if that's how we think about it. And I think a right. lot of us tend to think about negative emotion as um, like this, like a virus that kind of hits us, this bad thing that just feels bad um, and mm. we just want to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. We, d- we, instead of thinking of it as this is our, one of our kind of brain or body's way of motivating us to do something differently in the future. Right. You know, right. Or even in the present. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I think that it, it, in order to use guilt effectively mm-hmm. to make better decisions in the future or repair, you know, kind of ruptures in relationships um, in the present or in the future, I think it requires that people step back and reconsider just how they think about guilt uh, sure. Generally. Sure. I agree. I, I think um, in a lot of uh, clients that we have, there's there's an, an interesting kind of discussion uh, around guilt usually because it's, it's conflated, often conflated with a lot of other things, basically. Mm. And so teasing apart those things. Um, what do you mean it's conflated with other things? What other things do you mean? Well, I, I'll have clients um, tell me about a situation... Um, perhaps with a friend or a coworker or something like that, where they feel um a lot of empathy, a lot of sadness for mm. the person that they're they're associating with. Mm-hmm. Uh, something's come up for that person, and they're in a lot of pain. Let's say, and um, I'll often oftentimes have clients say something like, "I feel guilty that you know." Um, I, w- I can't do more to help mm-hmm. my friend or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that's an interesting statement. I feel guilty that I can't do more. And so I'll, I'll help them tease apart that, that statement a little bit. Why is that interesting? I mean, it makes sense. You see someone kind of suffering or feeling, and you say like, Oh, I just feel so bad. I, I feel guilty. I wish I could do something. Yeah. And, and then, and, and there's the discussion, you know, cause, because like we've talked about guilt usually is something you feel when you've done something wrong. And so if I, if I simply just ask that, that question to my client, what have you done wrong here? Um, you know, you're feeling guilty. That's usually a, an emotion we feel when we've done something wrong. What are you doing wrong here? Mm-hmm. Um, what are you doing that's come maybe against your values? You know, and they think about it and they're like, well, I'm not really doing anything. You know, it's just a really sad kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, okay, so there's sadness and a, an extreme amount of empathy there. And you feel helpless, it sounds mm-hmm. like. And that's where the guilt comes in or there's some kind of appraisal of I, I should be doing more or something like that. And there's the guilt, right? But to really tease those elements out to give my client kind of a handle on really what's going on for them, mm-hmm. oftentimes they can kind of walk away realizing it's maybe not guilt that I'm feeling. It's maybe just this extreme amount of empathy and, and helplessness that I, yeah. I'm not able to do more. Yeah. 
I completely agree. I think that is so common and pervasive that we confuse sadness or pity or even tragedy. We, we confuse it for guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that's such a common um, emotional kind of confusion or mistake? Well, um, <laughs> I've got an answer. I'm trying to I'm trying to word it in a way that would make sense to people. Um, many of our emotions are products of our perceptions, the way we think, basically. And so, if a friend of mine is in a lot of pain, and I have a great deal of empathy, and I feel badly that I'm not able to help more or something like that. My perception, I could have thoughts that say, um, I should be doing mm-hmm. more, right? I should. And there's kind of um, a lack of action on my part. Um, there's a there's a there's an omission of action here that, yeah. that I should be doing. And therefore, I've done something mm-hmm. wrong because I should be able to help, but I can't. And now I've done something wrong and I feel guilty. So we get in kind of these mental habits right um through very small um word choices really imply that we have a responsibility right that we're shirking at that point that if we step back and someone encourages us to look at it more objectively and intellectually we 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 realize like oh no i don't really i understand that that's not the case but because sometimes we have these mental habits that just play in loops over and over and over again without a whole lot of awareness. Right. We end up feeling the consequence of that. And these, and these habits are, yeah, there's just that there, they are patterns of kind of mental behavior where you're maybe framing things in, in these subtle ways mm-hmm. that leave you feeling guilty. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the way you would even explain the emotion you're having. Right. Um, however, if we really look at the, the context for what it is, uh, there's no error on your part and there's no kind of moral disruption there. Yeah. You just feel a lot of pain right. and sadness. And I think this, this idea of how do we, how do we get to this confusion around guilt? Um, I really like that you, you brought up specifically sadness and helplessness. Cause I think those two things basically explain our weird relationship with guilt that we have culturally mm-hmm. in that most of us have a really strange relationship with sadness. I think we're taught from a really young age that it's not really okay to feel super sad for super long. Like you, if you're like really down in the dumps, you need to just like cheer up and you know, get on with life. Mm. So we're very dismissive of sadness in subtle ways. I think at young ages, Mm -hmm. which I think encourages all of us to sort of um, ignore sadness. And so we don't really, this sounds funny, but we don't really have a good relationship with the emotion of sadness. We don't really understand it and we tend to avoid it. So yeah, I think that's like when we feel sometimes feeling guilty, even though guilty is not a pleasant feeling, it, it allows us to avoid sadness because we have, we have such a poor understanding of sadness and we dislike it so much. We've been conditioned to dislike it so much that guilt in a way maybe feels less bad than sadness. Well, as I mean, in an evolutionary sort of way, that's not the worst thing in the world, right? Because as social creatures, we should be pretty motivated not to feel guilt. Like if you're not feeling guilty, it means you're acting pro-socially and your, your position in the tribe is okay, basically. Yep. Um, and so it's, it's natural that we're kind of motivated not to feel that way. Right. It's just when those lines get crossed is an interesting kind of, um, presentation yes when sadness and helplessness get conflated with guilt or that action well and i think helplessness is key there i think one yeah, of the reasons yeah. we 
we do that, guilt doesn't feel good. And like you said, in general, we're probably motivated to avoid it because it's aversive. But because guilt implies responsibility, Mm -hmm. I think it makes us feel like we have more control than we really do. It gives us that feel, that illusion of control. Mm-hmm. Like if it's my fault, at least I have control, some amount of control uh. over this really bad situation. But true sadness is just, you just see something, something bad has happened and you can't necessarily do anything about it to yeah. fix it. And I think implicit in sadness is a really, often a really strong element of helplessness which we fight like crazy mm-hmm. not to feel. Mm-hmm. And I so, think one of the ways we do that is we, we sort of get in these habits of feeling guilty instead, which doesn't feel good, but it, it has this weird element of control to it. Yeah. So, so you're, you're saying um, oftentimes this emotion is a result, this guilt emotion is a result of an avoidance strategy to handle helplessness or sadness. sadness. Yeah. Exactly. I think we substitute a painful but maybe less painful emotion, guilt, for uh, the emotion of sadness and helplessness, which we we really dislike on a really profound fundamental level. Yeah. yeah. I, in a large part because it involves so much helplessness. Mm-hmm. So I have a different theory. Okay. Um, a lot of the times I see, when I see people with a lot of guilt, there's this really predominant kind of thought pattern around the idea that they're responsible for other people's well-being, emotions, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Um, and a lot of the, the people who feel guilty for their friends and, and are that empathetic also just kind of feel like they're responsible in some way. Oh. You know, they're constantly mm-hmm. blaming themselves. And, and depression tends to be kind of egocentric in a way. It's, it's very much kind of I'm responsible for or, or my defects are responsible for a lot of problems, basically. Hmm. And, and so sometimes I get people who feel guilty a lot, who, who just kind of genuinely feel they're responsible for other people's misfortune and pain and suffering. Um, even though they're not directly responsible, I think in our culture, especially in the United States, we, we tend to kind of blame our emotional experience on other people and feel that other people are responsible or that we're responsible for other people's it's emotional a weird experience. setup. <laughs> <laughs> right, we, a weird we, setup. We off, it's a culturally weird setup that we offload responsibility for how we feel, yeah. and then take on responsibility for how other people. Which right. theoretically, it should probably be the other way around, right? Well, he, right, yeah, yeah. But but oftentimes, I'll, I'll have clients that that really kind of um, through through this kind of cognitive distortion really feel like they're responsible for other people's tragic situation. Yeah. Um, which is an interesting kind of cognitive perceptual issue. What, how does that happen? How do people end up with this overarching belief structure of I'm responsible for how other people feel? There's many a slip between a cup and a lip. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I've never. I think the official saying is there's many a slip twixt a cup and a lip. But the the idea is there's lots of pathways (laughs) to that kind of thought pattern. Um, one really common thing I see a lot are really good parents teach this. Oh. The idea that um, imagine you're playing with your little brother and okay. you grab the your fire truck away from him and he starts crying. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times parents will say, oh, Nick, look what you share did. with your brother. Look what you did. He's so <laughs> sad. Now he's crying. And you give the car back. But the 
the inadvertent lesson there was yeah. I caused my brother to be sad and to cry. And right. my parents pointed out that was my fault. And it was my behavior that caused him to do this. Yeah. And so we kind of, it. I think sometimes really healthy families inadvertently teach us. I don't think they mean to. Yeah. But I think the message is always, you know, check your behavior for the um, reactions of other people. Well, you know? so this is, this is an interesting, um, there's a lot of nuance here because that's not a surprising sort of mistake to make. I mean, in, nope. in a way, nope. you maybe I didn't directly cause my brother to feel sad. Well, n- n- not only in a way, you know, literally, you did not cause your brother to. But be sad. I do. When the parent points that out, they are suggesting I have some sort of responsibility or right. have made some sort of mistake in this situation, and therefore your brother's crying. And sad. Yeah. And well, but how is that different from I caused him to feel sad? No, I think that's the inadvertent lesson is you caused this. So what actually happened then? Did I not do anything wrong? Right or wrong is tricky. I'm not gonna you know. Oh but, come on. If if I like run up to my little brother and steal a toy out of his hand, like Is it your car and, and he's been playing with it and won't let you have it? You know, then and you took it back? I don't know. Is that wrong? No, let, no, let's say it's his car. Oh, okay. And I just run up and grab it out of his hands and take it. Yeah, not a cool thing to do. Right. So what's my what did I do wrong? In this situation, yeah. I guess you took a toy away from your brother. Okay. So I think that's important that the 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 responsibility is placed not on how the effect, like oh, how right, someone the impact, felt, yeah, yeah. Right? But on my action. Right. Which was wrong. Yeah. So if right. your mom and dad said, Nick, that was that was not okay to just take a yes. toy away from your brother. And then make the distinction of you you don't take things from people right. when they're playing with it. But then it, it's tricky because part of what you also, you want to build empathy in the sense of you want to teach people that when you do things that are mean, yeah. these unfortunate things tend to happen. Yeah. Be conscientious. Yeah. That's what you're trying to teach them. Yeah. But that's, I feel like that's a really hard line to walk. It's a hard distinction. It really is. Especially and, for and a so, kid, right? To make that distinction between yeah. focus on the action, but the outcome is not actually your responsibility. But it's important to know, be empathetic and realize when you do certain things, it's very likely that other people are going to experience suffering. To be upset. Yeah. And, and, and you know, to be fair, parents need to teach their children, um, you know, to be consciously aware of the impact of your behavior sometimes. Um, but the lesson shouldn't be you're responsible for other people's emotional experience. Yes, yeah, so that, but that's such a subtle distinction that your behavior can impact other people's feelings. But that doesn't imply that you're causing them to feel badly. Or that you're responsible for them. Yeah. yeah. Like that's a yeah. that's a really nuanced distinction. I'm telling you. It's it's difficult. Yeah. And I and I think a lot of my clients sometimes I mean, most of my clients are raised in pretty healthy families. Mm-hmm. Um but I've had a lot of discussions where this kind of scenario plays out where um you know, as siblings, they were kind of taught this lesson. Mm-hmm. In a way, or you have a partner early in your life who blames you for their emotional. You made me angry. Yeah, you know, you did this. You, you know, there's a mm-hmm. real kind of blame, um, blaming for emotional yep. responses, and we do this all the time. If you listen to people talk, you know, I mean, road rage accidents are kind of or road rage incidents where you're saying, oh. you know, you did this and it pissed me off. Right. And it's, we forget that 
we're responsible for our own, our own emotional experience. Though. Yeah. This is why I think one of the things I, I do in therapy that um, at least initially frustrates some of my clients is I come across as really uh, persnickety and nitpicky about language. Persnickety? Like about the, the specific words that mm-hmm. my clients will use. Mm-hmm. And it seems super nitpicky and kind of anal almost. Oh, right, right, right. Like yeah. in the moment. Yeah. But I think one of the reasons we get into these really um, excruciating mental habits that lead to a lot of excessive negative emotionality is because we don't have good language for making these subtle but important distinctions. Yeah, yeah. And I think you and I have talked about maybe doing uh, another podcast about the the internal space in our heads and how we we use that space. Um, and you're right. The, the language that we're using in our thought process, you know, has a tremendous significant impact on our emotional experience it just does yeah and so i mean if you're if you're telling yourself things like i should be able to or i should have helped my friend more i should have you know that matters because the out the output there the 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 experience you're going to have emotionally is guilt Mm -hmm. framing it in a more logical and and functional way leaves you with a completely different emotional experience. So you you really want to be careful about that. So for example, instead of, and this seems like a trivial distinction, but instead of like, I should be able to help him, right? What can I do that might be helpful for him? Right. I mean, it it sounds like the exact same thing almost, but I, I think that makes all the difference for how you feel emotionally when you, when you repeat that a hundred times over the mm-hmm. course of a day. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's the, that's the trick. I think a lot of clients, I'll, I'll talk to them about their mental headspace and, and the, the language they're using and what they're telling themselves. And, they, and I, we, you always get this kind of like, well, you know, yeah, there, there are instances where I'm talking to myself kind of negatively, but, um, most, most clients that I see are doing it all day right. long, repeatedly, just these unbelievably critical negative thoughts about themselves or blaming themselves or this guilty kind of what's wrong with you? Why aren't you doing more? And there's no way Mm -hmm. you're going to have a pleasant mood or internal kind of headspace. If you're, if that's the message all day long and and it is for a lot of people. One of the ways I, I try to help my clients become more aware of those subtle, but important mental distinctions and the Mm -hmm. emotional, um, effects that follow is uh we've all been hearing the last couple of years about hashtag fake news right this is like a thing uh-huh. a meme, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so i kind of latched onto that and created the term hashtag fake guilt ah which is my uh slightly silly but hopefully memorable <laughs> term for that phenomena where we are what we're actually feeling is sadness but we're calling it guilt mm-hmm. inappropriately mm-hmm mm-hmm and so it's a lot of my clients have said they caught themselves in the middle of some sort of like, oh, I feel so guilty. I feel so badly. And then, and then they heard my voice saying, is that real guilt or fake guilt? Hashtag fake guilt. That's and that, that prompted them to, to look at these distinctions of, did I actually cause this to happen? Was I actually mm-hmm. responsible? Or is it just a really sad thing that makes me feel kind of helpless yeah, um, or that I wish I could do more for. I wish it, yeah. Or, yeah, but to have that thought process, which will leave you feeling just that more sad and empathetic kind of response, but not the guilty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just to realize that, that guilt is is dysfunctional in this circumstance because there's 
no repair to be made. Right. You didn't cause, you know, it, it, it's almost a dysfunctional emotion at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Yeah. I, I think, um, guilt is a, I mean, it's a valuable emotion. I think all, all of our emotions are really valuable. The, the trick is to get better at understanding what the emotions actually are and how they're being used and, and how functional they are in your right. life. But they're all and, valuable. And that's a great place to start, I think, is just in our language, instead of talking about emotions as good or bad, mm-hmm. you know, to, to use this slightly clunky sounding terms of um, dysfunctional or functional. Right. Right. Or, right. or even helpful or unhelpful. Right. In slightly more normal speak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to get out of those verbal habits of putting morality onto the feeling. Right. As opposed to the proper place, which is your behavior or even your thinking patterns around them, but not the feeling itself. So do you do kind of a two-pronged approach where you're teaching them to identify the fake guilt and then also um, uh, really helping them uh, navigate true guilt as well? Yeah, then that becomes... Uh, us, if there is a lot of true guilt going on, that that's a discussion to be had. But but most of the time, it's it's way more about sadness and helplessness. Mm. And when you can get rid of that fake guilt, you open up um, sort of the opportunity to start to think more about sadness and helplessness and and how to think more about that and what to do with that, yeah. rather than just kind of washing over it with guilt. So, so some of my clients are feeling overwhelming guilt. A lot. That's mm-hmm. kind of almost a primary emotional response when someone's frustrated, upset, hurt, sad around them. They just kind of start feeling guilty, right? And and like you're saying, eighty percent of it may be fake guilt. Yeah. Um, but because they've been feeling so much guilt for so long, it's just kind of this overwhelming um, emotional reaction that freezes them almost. Yeah. Or that just completely paralyzes them, and so. Once we start identifying that that you know mistaken guilt or that dysfunctional emotion mm-hmm. or, or experience and what the true emotions are, there's that twenty percent where they're not really responding well to it either, because they've just been feeling so much of it, right? Yeah. So then, usually we'll do a discussion of how do you actually handle these situations where maybe you have done something that's right. against your value system right. and and you want to address it and repair it and. And what lessons are you learning for that future application where yes. hopefully we don't encounter this experience or emotion again uh, as a result of these behaviors. So um, oftentimes I feel like it's it's a completely revamping of a lot of, of responses to, to guilt. Yes, yeah. which takes us full circle to the idea of thinking of guilt in a more future-oriented way. How can this yeah. help me in the future? Or even in the present. You know, I'm feeling guilty yeah, because this happened and then it's like, okay, how do we respond to true guilt then? And right. a great way is to make the repair Learn your lesson, you mm-hmm. know, adopt that lesson in your future behavior and move on. Yeah. Right. And, and then it's functional. Then it works for you. Yeah. And, and then you can just kind of be done with it when the experience is over instead of kind of constantly engaging this rumor to pattern of how terrible you're, you are. Yeah. Awesome. Sounds good. <laughs> hey, everyone. Nick and I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please rate us on iTunes if you get a chance. And if you have any feedback or comments for us, that'd be great as well. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the podcast, let us know in the comment section as well. Thanks.